welcome and thank you for being here. God bless everybody that's here. If you're watching us online, hey, it doesn't matter if you're here. It's, it doesn't matter if you're watching us online. We are so glad that you're a part of Faith Co. Church. We are glad that you're here. God bless you. And man, it was a, it was a rough week last week. I'm really excited about that 50 degree heat wave that's coming, tropical heat wave that's coming to Oklahoma. But uh, man, it was a tough week last week. I want to thank everybody that helped us around the church. Uh, people helped us. Uh, isn't it nice that somebody showed up and helped us with a tractor this past week? And okay, okay, we can do that. So um, it's it's man, it's just nice. And uh, speaking of serving, I want to talk to you just for a second. I asked Baylor to come up. Baylor oversees not only our youth ministry, but he oversees our host team. And uh, as people are beginning to come back to church. Um, we are, we have, we're finding out that we've got some, a lot of spaces open for people to serve. And uh, Baylor just come right out and he said, Dad, we need people serving at, at, at Faith Coast Students Ministry. And uh, we had a training yesterday. Man, it was so cool. And uh, I asked Baylor to come up. And I just want to tell you, can I see this just for yeah, a second? Absolutely. So, I should probably talk into the microphone, huh? Oh, yeah. So what I w wanted to do, yeah, we got pictures of our training? Uh-huh. Okay. Thanks, guys. But um, when we ask you to serve, a lot of times people get certain impressions of what that looks like. Hey, we want you to serve in kids' ministry. So you show up and you're like, hey, right over there, you know, find yourself a spot or whatever. Or, hey, we want you to serve in on the host team. Okay, show up and hang out with him over there in the corner. Or, hey, we want you to show up and, and serve in, in youth ministry. Uh, well, that means you show up and you just, uh, you know, watch kids and make sure they don't get any troubles. This is like a... Uh, I don't know, this might be a 25-page manual from everything from our mission to uh, the, the, what's, the, the Rock is your theme for this week? Yeah, so our theme this year is called The Rock, and it's based on um, when... You, you, don't, you don't have to take that from me, do you? Okay, no, 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 okay. I don't. Um, it's basically based on um, how, that story where Peter and Jesus are talking to each other, yeah. and Jesus asks Peter, he says, uh, he says, who do you say I am? And he says... Uh, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he says, because of your faith, you are the rock on which I will build this church. Yeah. That's the Baylor standard translation. Yeah. Um, but basically the idea is I want our students this year to kind of have the faith and theological prowess that they can be the rock upon which Jesus Christ can build the next iteration of Christians. Yeah. And that's our kind of theme this year. So, so that was just the first two pages. And the, and the next page was where we did a talk on the safety mm -hmm. that... Basically, we talked about everything from the importance of keeping locked doors to uh, everything from what is your role and what is worst case scenario. What do we do? So the second, you know, the second training session was about safety. The third was uh, a dream team overview. Yeah, so it was our every year we update what we call our systems manual, which is essentially just the system in which we run things. Um, so it was a systems manual overview. And then in addition to that, we had our uh, 2021 playbook. And a playbook is simply our strategy that's specific to this year, and the systems manual is the regular way in which we do things. And then there's a schedule for the entire year, what you have planned. Yeah, planned out the entire year of service. And then we talked about the host team, the way it relates to, mm -hmm. the, we, we called it from the, what do we call it? From the from the street to the seat. Yeah. And uh, Thanks, it, Nicole. Yeah. Basically, we talked about what it was like instead of getting trying to get people to be a part of our environments. Why don't we offer irresistible environments where we can't keep young people away? And we talked about what that looks like. So, and, and then it broke down into leaders, 
what the, the, the five or six different ministries that take place in youth ministry, who were the coaches, and what were their job descriptions. And I, I don't want to spend too much time, but here's what I want to tell you. I'm telling you that w- when we ask you to serve, that we want to train you, we want to equip you, and we want you to experience everything that, that God has for you to experience while you serve, because I believe that as you serve the church, you serve God. I really believe that. I believe that that is why he. I believe that that is why he started the church. It was his idea that we could serve. And that doesn't mean that we don't serve Christ when we're not at church. But the church is the best idea for how we serve because we get to serve each other. We get to serve people that don't know Christ. So, all that being said, we're we're uh, having a host team training this week. Yeah. So we're literally having the exact same thing except for a host team this Saturday at 9 a.m. Um, like we did with the, with the Dream Team for Students. We're going to feed you guys. We got chicken minis. Yeah. That was a big hit, so we're probably going to do it again. Yeah. Uh, chicken minis, fruit, muffins, all that. We're going to feed you guys. Um, we kept the Students Dream Team there from about 9 a.m. to 1. Yeah. And that's mostly because there's so many components to, to student ministry. Probably 9 to 12. This probably week. 9 to 12 yeah. for the uh, host team. So if you are on the host team, um, that like a lot of it is mandatory training. So if you can't make it, just let me know. We'll meet one on one. But this is a way to get uh, all the training out. While also, what if fun. somebody wants to serve? They're not a part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that th- this is also a great way to get connected to and learn more about a ministry. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be on the host team to be a part of this. Uh, just please consider if you want to be a part of the host team, being there and get some free chicken minis and learn a little bit more about. Yeah, the host and, team. and it gives you a glimpse of how what it looks like to serve at Faith Co Church and how we go about it. Mm-hmm. So. Even if you were, came and you sat through the training of host team and you walk away and say, you know, I'm just not ready for that, at least you would have an idea of what it yeah. looks like. So anyway, yeah. Baylor, thank you, sir. Yeah, of course. I appreciate it. Let's give Baylor, uh, let's give Baylor a hand. Oh, oh, real quick, real quick. Oh, real never quick. mind. He wants real to quick. say something real else. Real quick, real quick. Um, I, I believe in honoring sp- people specifically. So real quick, um, one, cool thing that, uh, one cool thing that happened is that our students showed up and served the leaders, kind of like an inverse, and that was Caleb. Holden, uh, Sydney, and Margaret. So let's give it up for those four students that went out of their way to make the training special. And then also, I want to give one more little little shout out to my amazing wife. Look at her, she's so pretty. Um, she showed up and helped me the night before from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. and then woke up with me at 5 a.m. the next day to get here and set everything up. So please give it up for my awesome wife. Yeah, yeah. it's not enough that she lives with you. Yeah, deals with me, all that. Okay, thanks, PT. Right. I've asked you before, is, is Baylor loud? Is Baylor a little bit loud? Yeah, so anyway. Yeah, you, got, you, you didn't know exactly what you were signing up for. Let's dive into this. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today and remind us of our calling. We're different for a reason. You're doing something in your church. You're doing something in our lives, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, it's good to be in church. It's good to be in church. We didn't have church. We had church, but it was, a, uh, it was a, an online thing, and uh, we had about six or seven people from uh, our production and tech team come down and made sure that we had church online. We keep getting better and better at that. Um, we had, we all, you know, our internet's not so good here in Shawnee, and there's always glitches in that, but at the same time, uh, we keep getting better. And uh, we, we are so glad that you guys are joining us online. Have you ever been to another country? Have you ever done any mission trip or have you ever spent any time in another country? And if you did, if you haven't, if you ever do go, I strongly recommend that you get away from the tourist attractions and the, the tourist towns and you get into where the locals live 
to experience a little bit of their culture. A few years back, I had the opportunity to go to Cambodia, and I spent about two weeks in Cambodia, and I had the opportunity to spend time with some of the locals, and about uh, four or five days into that trip, I, uh, it started raining, and I didn't have my rain gear with me, so I had to go into town and get some rain gear, and the way it is in a lot of uh, the a lot of the communities like that, or, or third world countries, is the, the capital city is really nice, but you go one mile out, and it's just third world country, and it's really rough, and lots of poverty, but in the city, it's really nice, the, the malls there are very different, and because people are so compact, there's a lot of buildings stacked up on top of each other, the malls there are, are not just like the malls here, they're like seven, eight stories tall, and they're, they're, they're pretty nice, but I went in there to buy a raincoat, and I checked every floor and could not find uh, my sides. And I finally went to somebody that, that spoke really, really good English. And I asked this guy, I said, I cannot find my sides. And he said, sir, we don't have anything in this mall to fit you. We don't have anything here larger than an extra large. You need at least a double or a triple extra large. And I'm like, what? And, it, you know, it dawned on me that Americans are a different size than people that are in Cambodia. Here's the deal. I mean, I really stood out. Let me tell you something. If you go into another country, they see you, and they know who you are, and they know that you're American. You stand out more than you think that you do. I, uh, I got to thinking about that as it relates to this message, and I thought about how we stand out as followers of Christ. We're called to be different. We're not called to be weird, but we're called to be different because of what he has called us to do. In Hebrews 11 and 13 he says this, talking about, talking about people of faith. He says this, the writer of Hebrews says, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers here on earth. It wasn't that they were different. It was, it's, it's also that they were from another world. That's how we are viewed. That's how Christ would have us viewed. It's okay to be different. It's okay to stand out just a little bit. Like I said, we don't want you to be weird. We don't want you to be standoffish. But it's okay to stand out and be different because God has called us to be examples. And in order to be an example, you've got to be different. Amen? These days call for a different kind of church. This world is changing. How many of you know that we went through some changes in 2020 that will never go back to the regular norm? There is a new norm for a lot of things. There is a new norm for churches. I was, I was I, you know, I, I, I was, I'm taking a look at the changes in our church and how so many people are still just watching online. And thank you for watching us online. But it, it's a new norm. I was reading, uh, I, I, got a, I got an email saying that, that most churches, only about 30 to 33% of people are coming back to church. It turns out that people enjoy watching, watching ministry and watching preaching sitting in their pajamas. You go, you go. It's okay if that's, if that's not, but it's just a new norm. And I, and you know, I, I, I like people to be here, okay? I like people to be here. And if you can't make it, that's, that's okay. But there is a new norm. But here's the deal. In today's, in, in today's society, in today's culture, it calls for a different kind of church that stands out. Because now more than ever, the world needs a church to act like Christ. If you want to be different, if you want to really stand out today, then study the life of Christ and act like Christ. In John 16 and, or John 17 and 16, it says Jesus was talking to his disciples. He said that they were different. He said that they were so different that 
says this, that they are not of this world just as I am not of this world. They are, they are alien, if you will. And this message series comes from the apostle Peter that wrote two letters to the church. The reason I chose Peter to go through and go chapter by chapter is because he was one of the closest disciples to Jesus. Jesus used him. I'm going to use that verse that Baylor used earlier about I'm going to build this rock. He used Peter as, as an example. and He also used Peter as a go-to guy to, to do a lot of things. Peter understood a lot about Christ. So when he writes these two letters, think about this. Think about somebody that was very close to Jesus for three years. And then also the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark was written from Peter's perspective. John Mark wrote that Gospel because of his witness, of Peter's witness. So he was so close to Jesus. So when Peter chooses to write two letters to the church, don't you think that would be significant? That Peter knows what he's talking about when he talks to and addresses the church. You believe that same man? So he writes these two letters and says, this is what the church is and this is what it looks like. This is what she looks like within the community. And this is what the church should also look like, how it reacts or how it interacts with itself. I want to pick up where I left off last week in 1 Peter 2 and 4. If you don't have a Bible, you can get one from the back of the chair. And if you want to, you can keep that, take it home with you. We'll give you another one next week. 1 Peter 2 and 4, it says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone. Everybody say cornerstone. I'll come back to that word here in just a second. Of God's temple. He, Jesus, was rejected by people, but he chose, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, look at the person next to you and say, he's talking to you. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. He's talking about the church. What's more is you are his priests. He goes a little bit Old Testament for a second. Through the mediation of Christ, you are offer spiritual sacrifices, I'll explain this in a second, that please God as the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given to him, but those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the chief or the cornerstone and he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble. Why? Because they do not obey God's word. They stumble, and so they, they meet the faith that was planned for them. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. So there's a whole lot in there to unpack. So I want to back up, break this down, and hopefully bring a few things out. The first thing that he addresses is the identity of Christ. And man, I read this several times over the past couple of weeks and I, I could preach a whole series of messages just on the identity of Christ and how, and wouldn't you think that Peter the apostle would know who Jesus is? Would you agree with that? That's why this is so significant. The, the words that, that Peter puts in it where he talks about the rock and all that, I'm going to cover that here in just a second. But the first thing he addresses is the identity of Christ. Why? Because to truly understand who you are, you, you must first understand who he is. 
To truly understand who you are in Christ, you must first understand who Christ is. And I wonder if we really understand who Jesus is. Now, we sometimes wrestle with who Jesus was, but do we truly understand right now, in the here and now, who Jesus is? When John was exiled to the island of Patmos, that was John, the beloved disciple. He was the last of the disciples. Uh, They tried to martyr him. When they couldn't, they just said, well, well, let's just get him out of here. They exiled him to an island. He lived to be, some uh, people believe that he lived to be about 90 years old, long after the rest of the disciples were martyred. When he was on the island, Jesus revealed himself and told him to write a book. Let me give you you a hint of what that book was. It, It was a revelation of Jesus. So what was the name of that book? The book of Revelation. So Jesus appeared to John and asked him to write a book to reveal who Jesus is in the present time in those days. Revelation 1 and 17 says this. These are the words of Jesus. Don't be afraid. I am the first. This is, this is the initial contact with John. Jesus steps up behind John and reveals himself. This is the initial contact. Don't be afraid. Now, why did he have to say don't be afraid? Because John was very afraid with the mere presence of Jesus. He was a very fearful thing. I'll explain in a second. He says, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. Now, look at this. He says, I died. But look, I think it's interesting that he says this. I died. Yes, I died, but I'm not dead anymore. I died, but look at me. I am alive forever, and I hold the keys to death and the grave. Let me ask you a question. In your mind's eye right now, what does Jesus look like? What does Jesus look like? Remember, remember, don't forget this. It's important to understand who he is so you can understand who you are. We get our identity from our Lord and Savior. But in your mind's eye, what does Jesus look like? When you really understand and have a grasp and understanding of who Jesus is, it brings clarity to your calling. It brings clarity and purpose to your life. So that's that's why I want to grapple with this. Who is Jesus to you? What is his identity? What is your image of Christ? Let me ask you this. What is your image of Christ in times past. Who was he? Who was he in the Bible? That, do, do you have a mental image of, of what Jesus looked like? He was a Jewish man. Okay, that's who he was, but who is he right now? The world's image of him today, I believe, sees him as one of two persons. First is a baby in a manger. Sweet baby Jesus, right? That's, that's, that's the world's view of Jesus. The people who don't know Christ, who don't have an understanding or a revelation of him, they think of Jesus in a manger. Now I want you to think about that for a second. Most people, when I say Jesus, everybody thinks of Jesus in a manger. What if in your life, every time you did something significant, you were, you were, you, you, you showed up at a board meeting and you were doing something significant in your life, and you were, a, you were a mover and a shaker and a world changer, but every time you tried to do something, somebody showed up with your baby pictures with you in a diaper and said, here's, here's Travis right here. You know what I'm saying? Isn't he so cute in a diaper, and everybody around the table just, he's so cute. Some people never get past that view of Jesus. That's the first image that the world has. 
Because we, there's nothing wrong with the, the, the uh, nativity scenes and nothing wrong with that. But that, that is just an image that so many people have that he's a, he's a baby in a manger. What's the other image that the world has of our Lord Jesus on the cross? The absolute worst day of his life. Seemingly, the, and we know because we know the Bible that, that this was a low point and it seems that he was defeated, but this was prophetic and it's actually a moment of victory. But the world who doesn't know that, they see that as a low point. He is murdered and an innocent man murdered on a cross. So what if you were trying to have a, you know, you were, try, you were applying for a job, you had resume and, and everything and, and only pictures that you have of yourself was the pictures of you lowest uh, of your lowest moment in your life? You had an incredible car wreck, and you had hospital hair, and there was blood all over your face, and, and all of this. And that's only image that people had of you is your worst and lowest point of your entire life. And yet, this is the timeless images that the world has given people. These are very important moments. Had Jesus not been born. He would not be our Savior. It, was, it is vital that we recognize the death of Christ. But that is not who Jesus is anymore. Those are two days in his life on earth. That was a few hours in a manger. That was, that was a few hours on a cross. That is not who Jesus is the world sees Jesus either as a baby in a manger or a suffering Savior. It sees him as he was in a few hours. And that's exactly, that's exactly, if we're not careful, the way we see him. We see him, and, and I believe that that is the devil's plan, to keep Jesus in a manger or to keep Jesus on a cross to the world. And never see him for, he, for who he really is. Because when you really see who Jesus is, it will change your life forever amen when you really understand well Travis what how do I get an image of him because this is what the world has fed us for years John had a sample of that a sneak peek of who Jesus is in Revelation 1 and 12 he says I turned when Jesus spoke he says I turned to see who was talking to me and I saw seven gold lampstands now that does not really translate today Wow, in all of his glory, he was holding a lampstand. You know what I'm saying? That, that doesn't, wow, that, 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 that was the, the most fiercest type of light, the most glorious type of light that they had. Today, it would be something like there was, he was standing within seven beams of light, okay? It would have been more like a light show. So you have to understand that some of this is symbolic and some of it is the best that, that, that John could, could sum up with his writing. It says, it says, and among them, there was what looked like a human being. Now, I don't want you to miss this, but as John looks at him, he really couldn't make, up, make out whether or not Jesus was human. Why? Because he is in his godlike state. This is who Jesus is right now. Remember, the name of the book is called what? The Revelation of Christ. Revealed. John, I'm going to show you something. The world has a whack view of who I am. Let me show you who I look like, okay? So John looks up and he sees in beams of light something that looked like a man. Then he goes on to see, and all of these symbolic, I don't have time to get into them, but he says he was wearing 
a robe that reached all the way down to his feet. This represents royalty. And a gold belt around his chest, which, which represents he was victorious. His hair was white as wool or as snow, and his eyes blazed like fire. Picture this, if you will. His feet shone like brass that were refined and polished. His voice sounded like a roaring waterfall. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth. His face was as bright as a midday sun. When I saw him, I fell down at his feet like a dead man. He placed his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. Once again, I don't have time to explain all the physical features, how they are symbolic of some things. I'm going to cover a couple of them here in just a second. But John could not stand in his presence. He was so overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus, who he is in the here and now, that it almost killed him. Jesus had to reach down and say, hey, 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 don't be afraid. Go ahead and stand up. It's all right. You know, if I, were to, if I were to walk into your house, if I were to just kind of walk in there unannounced, you would say, we got Travis over here. You know, it wouldn't be like, but if Jesus were to walk into your house, it would floor you. It would, it would knock you down, almost kill you. That's what it's like to be in the presence of Jesus. Here's another thing. Jesus did not appear to John in, you know, fresh off the cross with blood down his forehead. And, you know, just, you know, he didn't, he, that's not the way he appeared. He didn't show up as a baby. He showed up as king of kings and lord of lords of the universe. Why? Because he wanted to reveal to him who he was. The devil wants to keep Jesus in a manger. The devil wants to keep Jesus on the cross because that doesn't make any sense to us today. It's just... It's just something that he did for us. But John got a glimpse of who Jesus was now. And here's something else. He got to see a glimpse of who Jesus is going to be. You can't miss this. It was revealed to John who Jesus is, and it was also revealed who Jesus is going to be at the end of the world, and that is Revelation 19 and 11. Revelation 19 and 11. It says, then I saw heaven open. Picture this in the physical, if you will, because it's going to happen. Heaven open. I said, I saw heaven open, and there was a white horse. Its rider was called Faithful and True. It is with justice that he judges and he fights. That's not the image that we get of Christ. What is the image that the world gives us of Christ? He's barefooted, and he's got fancy feet, and he's on a bridge, and he's got, he's got a, a sheep under his arm. You know what I'm saying? He's got blonde hair and blue eyes. That's the image that the world gives us. That's the best we have. We don't get this. He judges and he fights. Jesus is a man of war. Now, the first time that he came, he was the Lamb of God to be sacrificed prophetically. He would give his life. The devil got his time with him for 24 hours. But that's not who Jesus is. Listen to what he says. He judges and he fights his battles. His eyes are like a flame of fire. Look at that again when he sees him. And he wore many crowns on his head. He had a name written on him, but not one, but, but no one except himself knows what it is. The robe that he wore was covered with blood. It says his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven followed him riding on white horses. That's us in linen on white steeds, if you don't know. On white horses, dressed in clean white linen. Out of the mouth came a what? Came a sharp sword with which he will defeat the nations. Now we see the importance of the symbolism here. Jesus does not have a sword coming out of his mouth physically. 
It's showing you that he has, that he, with his words, he conquers. Jesus, during the battle of Armageddon, is not going to run down there with his sword and kill people. He's going to speak. And as he speaks, the armies of the world are annihilated. Let me back up and show you something for a second. It says here that he has many crowns. Not one crown, but many. What does that represent? When you think of Jesus, well, we understand that he's king of kings and lord of lords, so therefore he has a crown. But that's not what this, this stanza is talking about. This is talking about the fact he has killed kings and got their crowns. He has many crowns. Then it says that his robe is dipped in blood. What do we think about? We think about that he gave his life, so it's the blood of the lamb. That's not what this is talking about. The blood that his robe, he's got the blood of kings all over his robe because he has killed them. That's not the image that the world gives us. That's not the image that, that, that the devil wants you to have, a conquering king. He wants you to see Jesus as a lamb that was sacrificed, that, that, that the worst and the lowest point of his life. But when you really get an idea of who Jesus is right now and who you, who, who you're going to be, who you serve, it's, it's different and it changes your life. Listen, this is the same, this is Jesus, the same Jesus that I ask people to give their lives to every single week. This is the same Jesus that is Lord over the church. And when you serve him, when you serve his church, you serve him. This is the Jesus that I'm talking about. This is the Jesus that I want you to surrender your life to. This is the Jesus that I want you to serve. Yes, Jesus was a baby. Yes, Jesus gave his life. But that is not who Jesus is anymore. Amen? That's why, that's why it's important that we understand who Jesus is. Because it changes everything about us. So this is... Peter understood this because he walked with Jesus. And he wrote, he wrote this in 1 Peter 2 and 4. He says, Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected in this world, but he was chosen by God. And he goes on to say, he says that he is the cornerstone. In other words, he is the foundation. What he's saying is, our faith is based on this Jesus. Are you with me? Our faith he is the cornerstone, the, the, the stone by which, if, if you can have a mental picture, it'd be kind of like you're building a house. Christ is the foundation, and we are the bricks. Are you with me? He is the foundation by which our faith, that's what we understand. Peter said, this is what I want you to understand. This is the identity of Christ. And as you begin to understand the identity of Christ, the second thing that he covers is the identity of his church. I'm going to get a drink of water here. I get excited talking about who Jesus is. When Jesus comes back, side note, when Jesus comes back and we're riding on horses, and we're, we're coming back and during, as he's about to take over the world, I'm going to be so close to Jesus that he's going to say, Travis, I'm going to need you to get your own horse. I'm excited about that. The second thing that we see is the identity. When, first, we have the identity of Christ, but now we have the identity of his church. First Peter 2 and 5, he says, now you are living stones. Now he's talking about us. We talked about who Christ is based on our faith, based on our faith in Christ. Now you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. He's talking about the church right there. What's more is you are his holy priests. Now he's going Old Testament. He's saying you are his holy priest. We don't have an Old Testament view, but he's using uh, 
He's using a play on words. He says, through mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifice that please God. God has a universal plan in Christ that has to do with his church. And it's so wonderful that we get to be a part of that. That we get to be the bricks within the house, within the spiritual temple that God is building. We have a very important role. And I know that a lot of times, if we're not careful, we tend to believe that the church is not that big of a deal. That, that, you know, I can take or leave the church, or this is church, or I don't know, it, it gets overplayed in the United States or whatever. However, one day, Jesus asked his disciples, and this goes back to what Baylor was saying. Jesus kind of took a poll of his disciples and said, who do people say that I am? And one by one, they began to say things. Well, some of you, some people say that you are Elijah that has come back. Some people say that you're a prophet. Some people say that you're a teacher. And Jesus said, yeah, but who do you say that I am? Why did he do that? Well, because after walking with him for three years, after walking with me three years, if you don't know who I am by now, you need to understand who I am because, about, because of where we're about to go. And Peter says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being, but now I say to you, you are Peter, which means his name means rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Upon the faith in Christ, I'm going to build my church. Jesus was saying this, this is exactly who I am, and this is what I'm going to do. If you will give me your life, if you will believe in me, I'll build my church as I build your life. Listen to Psalm 40 and 3. It says, he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He set my feet upon solid rock, making my steps secure. If you think about the story of the church, it's the lives of people being built as they build his church. Think about that for a second. How many times over the past 21 years of pastoring this church have I seen lives changed by people saying, you know what? I'm going to serve the church. The simple of thing, simplest of things that I'm going, to, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to start going to church or I'm going to, start, I'm going to make a decision to follow Christ. I've seen marriages turned around. I've seen families come back together. I've seen people that, that have been strung out or people that didn't know what to do with their lives. I've seen people's lives completely changed by being a part of deciding to be a part of his church. Then he goes on to say this. He says that you are a priest who offers spiritual sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, they offered physical sacrifices. But he's saying, we're not doing that now. We offer spiritual sacrifices as we as we build this church, as we build this church, if you think about it, he builds our homes and he builds our lives. As we worship and as we serve him, he blesses and builds our homes. Have you experienced that? The more I build his church, the more I pursue God with my life, the more he builds my life and builds my church. The more I honor him, the more I honor his work and his mission on this life, the more he blesses me and honors me. The, the more we honor him with our tithes, the more in our offerings, the more he blesses our finances. Have you experienced that? I can tell you that. I speak from experience. The more that I honor him and my marriage, the more, that, the more he blesses and builds my marriage. That's what 
the story of the church is. So if your life is a wreck, if your marriage is bad, if you're at a dead-end road, if you will come to Christ, and if you will dedicate yourself to him, he will secure your life, and he will solidify your steps. If you believe that, say amen. So Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. Lord Jesus, thank you for the revelation of who you are and the inside of who we will see when you return to this earth. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. But until then, I pray, Father, that we dedicate ourselves to you through your church. It's not about numbers. It's not about building a big church. It's about serving you through your body. It's about being a part of your body, your kingdom. This was always your idea. This was always your plan. And we are blessed because of it. You are changing the world through your church. You are changing the world. You're changing lives. You're changing families. You're changing homes. You're affecting the world through your church. I pray, Lord, that as we are here today, you will speak to us. And we will hear from you what you want to say to us in Christ's name. Let me read something to you. He closes the second chapter with this. He said, you are not like that. He talked about people that rejected Christ. He says, you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. We went from no one to becoming someone in Christ. Can I ask you a question as you're praying? What is your response to that? What is your response to what Christ has done for the world, for the church, for you? What is your response to that? Knowing that he has chosen you, he has called you, he has blessed you, he has placed you in his body. Knowing that, what is your response? How should we live? What should we do? Only you know the answer to that. And I want to ask you to respond in any way that God is dealing with you. What is he saying to you today? Is he saying... You need to surrender your life to him? Is he saying you need to change? Is he saying you need to serve me? What is he saying to you? What step do you need to take? Lord, I pray that you will deal with people today, wherever they are, whatever step they need to take. I first pray for those that belong to you. I pray for those that are part of your church, part of your body. I pray, Lord, that we not get distracted with the cares of this life but Lord, we follow you 100%. We follow you with our lives. Lord, we pursue you. We surrender our lives every day in the name of Jesus. If you're here and you're watching me online and maybe you've never given your life to Christ, maybe you can say, Travis, I have never 
giving my life to Christ. Or maybe you can say, Travis, at, at some point I walked away from the Lord and today I feel like Jesus is bringing me back and I need to make things right. I want to pray with you. I, I won't ask you to stand. I won't ask you to come down here. I won't single you out. In no way will I embarrass you. I just want to pray. Let me ask you this. If you're here in the house, just so I know I'm praying for somebody with nobody looking around, can you say, Travis, I don't know Jesus and if you'll pray, I want to give my life to Christ. So just quickly put your hand up and put it down so I know I'm praying for somebody. Can anybody say that? That's me, Travis. I see your hand right there. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's me, Travis. Anybody else? If you're watching us online, just pray this prayer with us and give your life to Christ. Let's pray. Everybody, just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I am before you today, and I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you to take my life and use it for your plan. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and you rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Father, we thank you for these that have surrendered their lives to you. We ask you, Lord, that you'll bless them. And this is just the beginning of what you want to do. And we celebrate with heaven those that have come home. Those that have come home in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate. Hey, guys, if you made that decision today to follow Christ, that's the best decision that you'll ever make. And uh, we want to tell you a little bit about next steps on your new journey with Christ. So if that's you today, just text SAVED to the number on the screen. We'll get you connected with a member of the Dream Team to talk to you about those new next steps in your new journey. Guys, go ahead and stand and stretch your legs. I just have a few things to let you know about what's going on this week at FaithCo. First of all, if you want to join our Dream Team, um, you can text SERVE to the number on the screen. Uh, we'll get you connected with the Dream Team leader and give you more information about how to get started as far as serving on Sunday mornings or on Wednesdays at Faith Coast Students. Speaking of that, Faith Coast Students is every Wednesday at 6.23 p.m. That's when the door is open. We're having a great time at Faith Coast Students. We're finally back in person after a couple of weeks of being online. So we're very, very excited to get back to it, starting a new series this week. Um, in addition to that, as we talked about before, uh, the host team annual training brunch is this Saturday at 9 a.m. If you're on the host team, please come out, uh, have some free breakfast, and uh, get to know the host team a little bit better and the new systems that we're moving into next year, or rather this year. Um, and if you're interested in joining the host team, uh, make sure that you're there as well. Our prayer group meets the second and fourth Wednesday uh, of every month at 6 p.m. over in the prayer room. Um, if you want more information about that, feel free to meet me over at Faith Co. Info um, for information about anything that I've been talking about. Meet me at Faith Co. Info. And uh, lastly, I just wanted to talk to you guys real quick and let you know that our men's Bible studies are back on. Again, we took a break for a couple weeks uh, because of the inclement weather. But starting back up again Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. over in the small auditorium, uh, we're going to start having our men's Bible studies again. That's all I've got for you guys. So let me say a quick blessing over your life, and then we'll let you go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he smile on you and be gracious to you. And may he show you his favor and give you his peace. And all God's children said, amen. You guys have a great week.